Hey everybody and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host Rob Oliver and I want to say welcome back. We did take a little hiatus and I'm I'm going to tell you a little bit about why. Okay? So I'm not sure how many of you know this, but I do have another podcast. It's called Perspectives on Healthcare. And for that podcast, I attempted to set a Guinness World Record for the longest interview marathon. It was uh, it was phenomenal. I did 37 hours, 44 minutes, 17 seconds, interviewed like 136 or 137 patients about their experience, but as you can imagine, it took a tremendous amount of effort, a lot of a lot of work in prep, a lot of work in follow-up. So as a result, um, the Learning from Smart People took a short break, but we're back. And we will be with you every Thursday from here on out for, uh, for the next good while. In the meantime, I have a smart person with me. His name is Eric Williams. And let me just say, for many business owners and leaders, they didn't go into business to run a business. Eric is a certified business coach and marketing expert, and he uses a proven frameworks from Gallup organization, from Business Made Simple and StoryBrand to help you better engage your target audience to grow your business. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I, you know, congratulations on that. Uh that interview marathon, I, you know, uh, I, I think if you and I, maybe by the end of this, if, if you and I were on that, we might've been able to fill that 37 hours with just, uh, just one conversation. So yeah. we're, we'll buckle up folks. We're going to, we're going to have one here. This is going to be great. No doubt about it. So I, it's super interesting to hear you say that. So uh, the way I scheduled it out, it was somebody every 15 minutes, every 15 minutes. Wow. Right. Uh, but yeah. there is actually a record for the longest single interview and it's like 30 hours and um, oh and, my gosh yeah and, and you can't switch roles like it, the person who's asking the questions has to continually ask the questions the person wow. who's, yeah so whew, it's that's a long time um hopefully this is going to be 30 minutes that feels like it goes by in five minutes rather than 30 minutes right. that feels like it takes 30 hours to get through so <laughs> Exactly. Well, I'll try my best to keep it uh, concise. But you know, when we get on a roll, we get on a roll. So I, I'm excited about it. No problem. So let me start here. Tell me a little bit about like your backstory. How did you get into this? Like, what brought you to where you are today? Yeah, so my parents, uh, my dad owned a small business and, and he was in business with his brother-in-law. And, um, you know, I remember growing up in the business, they had, they actually had self-serve car washes and they had, you know, a lot in, in the city. And my, my uncle, he was the, he was the operational side with the electric and the plumbing and the, all the fix it stuff. And my dad was the book side. And, you know, I looked at that and I saw gaps in what they were doing because they didn't get into business to run a business. You know, they got into business. My uncle got into business because he loved working with his hands. He, he repaired airplanes in, uh, in the Navy and things like that. And he just wanted to do something where he could work with his hands. And so, you know, I started to see this happening with small business owners and with managers as I kind of grew up the corporate ranks where we don't get into business and we don't get into our leadership uh, spots to run a business 
or to just be a manager. We did it because we were passionate about something or because there's something we want or, or because we want to provide a better life for our family. And so what I saw and what I really uh, dedicated my life to was figuring out how could I step in and help people um, who have a passion, who have a purpose, who have something they love to do, uh, you know, whatever it is, a niche they love, how can I help them take care of some of that other stuff that they're not thinking about, whether it's marketing, whether it's leadership development, operations management, business coaching, so they can go back to doing the things they love. Because honestly, when I was sitting around the dinner table growing up, I realized that my dad, my uncle, if they didn't run a successful business, it wasn't just them. It was our family. It was mm. the employee's family. So mm -hmm. when you are running a business or if you're a manager of people, you have an exponential impact on the people around you because they depend on you to do a good job. And, and I, I love bringing this up to small business owners and to managers all the time. As I say, there's probably a, a big possibility that tonight around the dinner table, uh, you are going to be a topic of discussion. How do you want that discussion to go? Do you want to be positive or do you want to be negative? And so the impact that leaders and business owners have over exponentially making lives better is just such an important thing for me that, that I just want to help, help them however I can. Yep. So I, I think that what you are saying is a theme that I've heard before, and, and I'll just reiterate it this way, right? Yeah. The reason people become entrepreneurs, the reason people start a business is because there's something that they're good at, something that they're yes. passionate about, something yes. that really, you know, for lack of a better term, gets their juices flowing. They, mm -hmm. they get excited about this and then they begin to do it. Right. So, and they find out that a lot of times what you end up doing in the business is not what drove, what drove you to start it, but right. a whole different set of things that, you know, so. I'll just use the example. You get somebody who is an excellent painter, right? They, mm -hmm. they paint houses. Well, yep. all right. So now the next thing that happens is they're going out and they have to hire somebody. They're supervising a crew and the next, yep. and before too long, they're not out painting houses anymore. They've become a, a manager and you know, and that is, it's not a skill set that they were, you know, were thinking about when they started their business, they're yeah. thinking about using a brush. Uh, yep. And, and so what you're talking about is then how do we take and equip people with the, with the tools to be a business person and right. to be a leader in their business? Is that, does that resonate with you? Yeah. And I mean, if you take, uh, if you, if you take a look at founders, right. And right now in our society, like I'm, I am interacting with a lot of, you know, not quite as many baby boomers, but baby boomers and older Gen Xers who founded businesses when they were younger. And now they're transitioning, especially a small business, you know, mm -hmm. or a family business. Now you're transitioning to the next generation and the stats are not good. If you don't think the stats are good for startups, you know, within the first four years, most of them are failures. And then just look at the transitions from people who go from the first generation or the first owner, the founder to the next one. And it's because not only is it tough for me to go, hey, I'm a great painter, or I really like to build these widgets, or I like to provide this service. And now all of a sudden I'm managing people and I got to worry about profit and loss statements. And I don't worry about my balance sheet and marketing. And I just want to go back to doing the thing I love. But then think about it, the skills that it took to build that business are not always the skills that it takes to grow it. And they're not always the skills that it takes to exponentially scale the business to. And so I perfectly agree is the okay. people that got into it because they had a passion for something. And then at some point, all of you listening who have done this, you know what I'm talking about. 
you have this like strange things are happening moment from Toy Story, you know, where Woody's on the bed and he's looking around. There's all this Buzz Lightyear stuff going on. He's like, what am I doing? I loved doing this thing. And now I'm spending more time, you know, rectifying my my checkbook and trying to, you know, make sure I'm making payroll. I I wanted to cut in and and, you know, paint people's houses. And so that's what I hope to do is bring along some of those things to make it easier for business owners and managers to do the things they love. Same things happen in management. You're a great individual contributor. And mm. then all of a sudden they say, hey, you're the best salesperson. We're going to make you the director of sales. We're going to make you the VP of sales. And instead of spending time on sales call, which is where you get your, you know, which is where you're passionate. Now you're spending more time managing salespeople. And it's like, ah, I don't, I'm not equipped for that end of it. And I wish I had some help. Yeah. And to your point, I that's a, it's an example that I love. Because you take somebody and you take them from a skill, uh, you know, a position where they are utilizing a skill set that they have, yep. and you put them in a position that needs a whole different set of skills. Yes, and they you need someone who's good at management, not someone who's good at sales. It, it, like exactly, um, and so that's that's where you've got to have that. And so maybe you can comment on this. Mm -hmm. um, how do you help develop those skills in that next generation? Because you know. Um, or, or is it even having the vision to say, these are the skills that we needed to get started. And this is, yeah. this is kind of where I came in, but the vision for the future is we need to sustain and we need to grow. And so these are the, these are the skills that I need to develop in the, in the future generations or in the, the next phase of our business. Can you talk about that at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's two. So that brings up two myths for me that I run into all the time or two, you know, things that people just assume. So one is that the best individual contributors are not necessarily the best managers. Okay, so we've already kind of chatted about that a little bit. But all you have to do and you know, I'm not sure exactly what date this is going to release, but we're going to be in the middle of like college football season and NFL season coming up as as of this recording. And if you think about who are the most successful college and NFL coaches, are they the best people that had the best football careers? Most likely not. Like if I were to go through and go, okay, like Nick Saban, you know, depending on what you think, like he's a pretty good, successful college coach. I don't remember him being, you know, the Tom Brady of his era. And that's another thing. Do you think Tom Brady is going to be a great coach? Maybe, maybe not. But the thing is we have to stop assuming that just because you're really good at doing the thing means that you're going to be good at managing the people doing the thing. Okay. So those are two different skill sets. Some people can transition well, and that's great. But what you have to look for in those cases is look for people who want to serve and solve problems. Okay. Because leadership is really a stewardship of people. If you don't care mm -hmm. about making your people better, then you should not be in leadership. And I, I mean, I'm, that's a very defined statement there that I believe in. If you don't care about making the people around you better, then leadership is not for you. If you want to spend more time doing things instead of developing people, that's a good basic filter in any niche to understand that maybe that management position isn't for you. And for the managers that are hiring or looking to pass on for others, do not look for your best salesperson to be the director of sales. Look for the person that understands sales, but cares about coaching and developing people. Because the whole point of a manager is your existence is supposed to exponentially impact the productivity and the output of the people around you, right? The whole sum is greater, you know, the sum is greater than the individual parts. Right. Yeah. Well, it, 
Yeah. And why would you, you're actually doing a detriment to your business. If you take your best salesperson and you take them out of there, then yes. you're missing a whole bunch of quality sales. So actually, listen, you, you have some marketing and management principles and sure. we've started to, we've started to touch on them a little bit. So let me, let me jump in here. You've got, I think you gave me four of them. So let's talk yeah. about these if you don't mind. Right. Sure. Uh, so um, and you can just tear up the show notes if you need to. We can just go wherever you want. I, you know, we can talk about whatever. No, I did. I looked at them and I loved them. So I thought, hey, okay. let's let's do this. Okay. Yeah. So um, principle number one, you say, if you confuse, you'll lose. Yes. Okay. Talk to me about this. What do you, what do you mean? So this, this uh, for those listening that are managers that own a business, anything like that, these work for management as well as marketing. Those are the two main niches that I, that I help people in. If you confuse, you'll lose. Clarity is the key and confusion is the enemy. When it comes to management and it comes to marketing, the clearer you can be with people, the better it's going to be. Because our brains, uh, if you didn't know this, our brains are constantly working, right? Uh, think about it. They're always burning calories. It's like I, I give the image of like your brain running on a treadmill. Mill. That's why you could be done with, uh, you know, you could be done, like, think about back when you were in school, it, doing studying or reading or anything else like that. Anything that requires brain work, you could be done at the end of the day and go, I am exhausted. Even though physically you weren't moving around, you might have been sedentary sitting in your seat. It's because your brain is actually burning calories. And so what we want to do is we want to reduce that amount of calorie uh, expenditure for our people. So in marketing, that means be very, very clear on what you want. Don't wrap up your marketing in these cute words. I bring up this example all the time. Let's say you need a new website and you've got a web designer that their tagline for their, uh, for their you know, web design firm is, we build bespoke, uh, artistic, innovative solutions for your digital space. Okay, that's website designer one. Website designer two says, we build websites that work. <laughs> I mean, like, for the most part, you're going to go, yes, I want the one that works. I me, you know, we're all have this, we all have this caveman brain that's trying to go, okay, what is it that I want? Me want website that works. Like, right. I don't want to figure out spending time trying to figure that out. The same is true in management as well. The clearer that you can be with your people, and this this comes in all of your management buzzwords. If you're talking about uh, circling back, putting a pin in it, you know, we need to uh, not boil the ocean, all these things and acronyms that we use within management that try to, con I mean, they you feel like they're making it easier, but really what's happening is you're confusing people. And a lot of that comes down to, this thing that's called the curse of knowledge. Leela Fever, uh, he's got a book that talks about it, but it's the curse of knowledge. You know your thing at the level eight, nine, and 10, if you were to say a scale of one to 10. But the problem is people make purchasing decisions and employees make action item decisions at a level of two or three of mm. knowledge. So even when you think you're dumbing it down for people, quote unquote, you're bringing it down to still a level six or seven. And so you have to think about that in the sense of like, it's like the nose on your face. It's so close to you, but you still can't see it. So the clearer that you can get with people, the better. Because if you confuse, you'll lose. Clarity is that key for marketing and management and confusion is going to be the enemy in the process. Okay. I, I, have, a, I have a theory and it, for those yeah. listening on the podcast, this is not a surprise because I have a theory about pretty much everything. Um, but my theory about knowledge is that if you, if you truly know your topic, you can talk about it 
in layman's terms. Uh, sure. If if you if you have an academic knowledge, then you talk about it in you know polysystemic, multisyllable, um, you know, archaic terminology. That's the best I can do with uh, coming up at big words at a moment's yeah. notice. But uh, as opposed to being able to talk about it in every man language. Yeah. And um, what's your reaction to my theory? Well, so I just boil that down to, uh, you know, I guess a, a, a metaphor or an example, right? There's a difference between knowledge and practical application. Knowledge is knowing the fact that a tomato is a fruit. Practical yes. application says I'm not going to put it in a fruit salad. Right. And so you can know all you want about a topic, but until you know how to practically apply it in a way that matters, it's not going to be effective. It, it will be as disgusting as having a tomato mixed in the rest of your fruit salad, because that's what we're doing when we say, uh, like as a business owner, we say, well, this product does this thing, or I want to describe it this way, or, you know, I'm a management manager and these are, these are my axioms and these are the things that I say in the way that I want it. Okay, great, cool. You can be as smart as you want about that, but until you realize that what you're doing is you're putting that tomato, which is a fruit, convince me all you want, how much it's a fruit. I'm still spitting it out and I'm not engaging with your disgusting tomato in the fruit salad. Okay. I think that you've helped me understand this and that is um, my computer mm -hmm. has a lot of computer language in it and I don't yes. understand computer language. Okay. Yes. I don't understand JavaScript. I don't understand mm -hmm. C plus or any of that, but none of that shows up on my monitor. Right. Okay. And so what we're talking about is the ability to present things in a way that's understandable. Yes. Uh, somebody somewhere understands all of the guts of what's going on in my computer and mm -hmm. they can make it so that what I look at on my monitor, I understand. Yes. I think that's, how does that work for you as an analogy? Yeah, the bottom line is that people don't choose the best products and services. People don't make the best choices. We want to think that we do, but we don't. Donald Miller, he's the author of Building a Story Brand. He, you know, he's he founded Story Brand and Business Made Simple, which are some of the frameworks that I use. He says that people don't make don't choose the best products and services. They choose the ones they can understand the fastest. Mm -hmm. So like right in my hand for those of you listening, I have an Apple iPhone. I choose the iPhone, not because it's the best phone out there. I know, spec-wise it's not. But for me, it's the one I can understand the fastest. It's the one that I know if I click FaceTime, uh, my kids' grandparents, my parents are going to know how to accept that and they're going to be able to talk. I don't care. You can tell me all you want about the specs of your, of your Android or your Samsung. I don't care. I understand Apple. That's why I have a MacBook. That's why I have an iPhone. That's why, that's why I have this USB mic instead of trying to do all those other things. When you apply that to your business or your people and you realize that people are going to make the choice that they understand the fastest, you'll start to break down what you're saying into a way that's going to be uh, digestible by them and not just something that you think is, uh, you know, accurate or smartest or or whatever you need it needs to be something that they can understand clearly and quickly got it all right uh, marketing and management principle number two be yep. known for solving problems tell me more yeah when you stop talking about problems people stop listening if it's your brand your brand exists to solve a problem nobody wants your product or service they want what your product or service can do for them so that's why the differences in in products or services that uh, have good marketing and bad marketing can often be boiled down to 
am I talking about features or am I talking about benefits? So the features of the product are, uh, you know, it's got a screen resolution of this and it's got a megapixel camera of that and it's got a this and that and the other. But those don't matter outside of context unless someone already understands what those product specs can do. But if you talk about benefits and if you could say, hey, you're going to have a crisper image. Hey, you're going to take better photos. Those are benefits that are going to sell better. Same way with management. When you are talking about the, you need to be known as someone who solves problems. We talked about that before. What's the difference between someone who's like a great individual contributor and a great manager? A manager can solve a number of different problems because a manager's job is to remove barriers from their people so they can go faster. So how can I solve problems for my people to get out of the way? Again, if I'm talking to you, Rob, and if we're talking about something and I have something to sell, and I'm talking about me and I'm just talking about the specs of it. And I'm talking about, you know, even, even in my intro, Eric, tell me how you got here. And if I said, well, I've got this education and I did this many years at this place, I did it. You're going to go, oh, that sounds great. Right. But if I said, I've spent the last 20 years helping business owners, just like you engage their people better and market better so that they can make more money so that they can spend more time doing the things that they love. Yep. Yep. Which one is more compelling to say, I want to know more about how you can help me? It's not about, again, it's the difference between a great coach and a great individual contributor. When that great coach can say, you know what, uh, think about the college coach sit, if it's sitting and trying to recruit you and talking to your parents and they say, hey, I've got a graduation rate of this and this many people in the NFL, right? As opposed to look at all my, uh, look at all my accolades and look at all the years I've spent coaching. How can you help others? That's how you're going to win in both marketing and management. What problem do you solve? How do you solve it? How do you make their life better? Uh, yeah. Um, let you talk about, talk about them, not about me. Um, yes. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, which is the next principle. Yes. So marketing and management principle number three, always play the guide, never the hero. Yeah, so this is a, a principle that we get from StoryBrand. And it, uh, what we're doing it with the StoryBrand framework is helping you with your marketing and your messaging understand how to use the power of narrative and story to trick the brain, honestly, into spending less calories, to understand even more of what you're, what you're trying to say and engage quicker. And so in every big narrative story, there's a hero. There's a protagonist who's doing things, okay? So this is, you know, Frodo in Lord of the Rings. This is going to be Katniss in The Hunger Games. This is, you know, going to be Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, for instance. They are always the weakest character in the story. And I know a lot of people are like, wait a minute. No, they're the hero. They're not the weakest character. But in reality, those heroes need something otherwise in order to do the thing that they want. Otherwise, you have no story. You know what I mean? Like, think about the number of times in a, in a movie that you're watching that you're like, hey, what, what, if, what if they just shoot the bad guy right there? You know what I mean? What if they just didn't have that insecurity? What if they just, you know, said, no, I don't really want to uh, go and save the universe and the galaxy. I want to be a moisture farmer here on Tatooine. Like, movie over. Roll credits. Nobody gives a crap about the movie, right? Nobody cares about it. The hero always has something that they're missing. They always have a problem they need to solve and they need somebody external to them to help them solve that problem so in your marketing and your management you want to play the role of the guide so you want to be gandalf in the lord of the rings uh you want to be uh woody from cheers from the hunger games whatever his you know role was that guy uh hey mitch i think his name was right and you want to be yoda or obi-wan kenobi in the original star wars saga because they're the people that have been there before and they know what it takes to get you what you want Anytime you're at a networking event and you interact with people, 
you, I, I guarantee this will ruin networking events for you because you'll know when you're interacting with another hero or you're interacting with a guide. The mm-hmm. hero steps up and talks about the journey that they're on. Oh, I've sold this many books and I'm speaking here and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I've done this and I've done that similar to our example of the coach that just shares their accolades. When you listen to them, you go, oh, that's great. I'm a, I actually want to know more about you and I, I hope that you do well in the future, but you're not going to give them money to help you. When the guide steps up and says something along the lines of, hey, you know, most people, they get into business and they don't get into business to run a business. They get into business because they're doing something that they love. Uh, As a marketing expert and as a business coach, I work with business owners, leaders, and managers to help them engage their people better so they can make more money. Now I'm putting myself immediately in the guide standpoint. Okay. Um, I don't know why I'm so slow on the uptake, but but here – light bulb just went off. Okay. Um, when you talk about who you are, um, people can be intrigued and they want to learn more about you. Yes. Um, or they're not intrigued and they don't want to learn more about you. When you talk about what you do, people are intrigued and they, they understand how it relates to them. Yes. Or someone they know or or someone they know. So when you're talking to somebody, Think about the Rolodex. This is dating me. I'm sure you know you remember what a Rolodex is. You want someone to immediately put your card in the right spot in their mental Rolodex so they can go, oh, I want that. Or they can say, I know someone who needs that. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. So, And as a business owner, um, as an entrepreneur, you're, you're not – you're selling yourself when it comes to investors, but you yes. are – you are selling what you do when it comes to customers. All right. Um, last question or last marketing and management principle. If you don't call people to action, they won't take action. Yeah. I actually call this the, will you marry me factor? Okay. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Cause this is, happens a lot of times on websites, you know, on websites, the main button you want them to press, that is your call to action. That's what you want them to do. But so many of us, we make the call to action uh, so weak and non, you know, non-committal. We'll say something like want to learn more or, uh, you know, click to get started. Now imagine that. Uh, now I've been married. Actually, my my anniversary is coming up uh, tomorrow, and so I've been married for over a decade. My wife and I have been together since two thousand and one. And you know, if I were to think back to the time when I met her and when we were dating, if there was a moment where it was like, "Hey, I'm I'm ready to make this commitment. I want to ask her for this commitment." If I would have just stood up in front of her and if I would have said, "Hey, babe, want to learn more?" She probably would have been like disgusted and be like, "What are you right. talking about?" Or if I said, "Hey, babe, want to get started?" What what do you mean want to get started? You know what I mean? Like click for more. Like none of that is getting to the point of what I want. So at some point, every person who has ever been married in whatever relationship you have, there someone has said, will you get married? Will you marry me? Or do you want to get married? There is a distinct question to say, I'm calling you to action here. Because if we don't call our people to action, they will never take action. And so any, any relationship story you've heard, you've probably heard the good and the bad side of that. It's like, I didn't even know there were years. She's like, I, I, yes, I wanted to get married, but the guy just would never ask me the question. It's like your customers are out there and they want to give you money. But if we don't say, Hey, will you sign up today? Buy now. 
schedule an appointment. If you don't use clear calls to action, they won't take action. Same thing in management. If you don't tell your people, this is what you need to do. Take the step now, right? Do this now. They're not, don't let them assume that they know what, what it is that you want from them. Okay. I'm, I'm just having a vision of, you know, a black velvet box with a little <laughs> like click here, click here yes. to get started on the top. Of yes. it. And when you open it up, it says, you know, if you give me your name and your email address, you can download engagement ring 1.0 or, you know, right. Uh, right. I, uh, yeah. No, it, it has the, it leads to the same outcome, but the, the words are so important. Listen, I'm speaking of call to action. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about like, where can people find you? Where can they get a hold of you? Um, what's the best way to connect with you? Well, honestly, uh, the, my biggest audience right now is on TikTok. So if you're on TikTok and you want management, leadership, and marketing principles, you can find me at Business Coach Eric. Otherwise, I'm on Instagram as well with my business. Uh, Instagram is 212consulting. The number is 212consulting. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. My website is 212consultingservices.com. Beautiful. Um, I will put all of those in the show notes. And you have um, you have a freebie for my audience. Tell me about that, please. Yeah. So one of the things that people come to me most often is they say, "My web, I I hate my website," or they just heard that "Will you marry me?" button. They go, "I don't know what's wrong here," or "I've been told," and these sorts of things. Or they have no idea if they're playing the role of the hero or the guide. And so the easiest thing for me to do is to provide a homepage audit. And so for all of the Smart People Podcast listeners, if you send me your URL of your home screen, just send me an email at Eric E R I C Eric at two one two Consulting Services dot com. Just in the subject line, put smart people podcast and send me your URL. I will record a screen recording five to 10 minutes long and give you a free website evaluation back on some actionable items that you can take to edit your website, to make it better. Fantastic. Such a fantastic offer. Listen, Eric, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate your willingness to do that and your willingness to share with the audience. It is time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for these, my friend? Hopefully. Okay. Um, really easy one. And that is, uh, if you could live anywhere, where would it be? Man, I don't want to do a, a cop out here, but I I'm, I'm where I want to live. I've spent uh 20. So I was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then spent 20 years in Northwest Ohio. I mean, there's so many great things about the Midwest. I found my wife there, you know, our kids were born there at her first house, but just recently, right before the whole world shut down in twenty nine in the in the winter of twenty nineteen, we were able to move back to New Mexico. And so I am here in the land of enchantment, where you can literally, other than the ocean, you can find any sort of environment that you want. You've got mountains, you've got skiing, you've got lakes, you've got hikes, you've got rivers, you've got all of the stuff that you could ever want. And so, living right here in the middle of New Mexico, uh, with my family around me and all the activities we're able to do. That is, that's perfection for me. Excellent. Okay. Um, it's karaoke night. What is the Eric Williams karaoke song of choice? Oh man. Oh, the area, the karaoke song of choice. There would be, uh, so many options, but I would say, uh, probably your love by the outfield. Uh, for those of you who are into like, I don't know, that was probably like an eighties song. Man, my my nine year old, whenever that song comes on the radio, 
we just belt that bad boy out and we sing it. If he was with me, we would probably sing. I would. Ju- I can't. Uh, just can't wait to be king from Lion King. Okay. Um, he does. He does uh, Simba's part and he does uh, Timon's part. And I do Pumbaa's part, so you know we we have a little duet going. There you go. Um, Josie's on a vacation far away, if I'm not mistaken, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's 100. percent That's it. Okay. Um, last, we got a food question for you. Okay. Um, you are on. Uh, what is your death row meal? So if 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 it's your last night on Earth and you know it, um, what's on the menu for the Eric Williams death row meal? Let's see. Uh, I, I love a good prime rib. I love a good steak. Uh, but I've always had this joke with coworkers, people around me, especially when I worked in a corporate office, is the, there are three things that you could put in front of me that I, I, I don't know that I could physically turn down. You know, I don't, I don't have addictions to many of the, the things that typically people have addictions to that are you know, detrimental to their life. But I have an addiction to uh, pizza, uh, chips and salsa, uh, or chips and queso. And like deli sandwiches. If there's a sandwich ring in that office, I don't care what it looks. I mean, I am eating that bad boy. If there's a slice of pizza, it could look kind of old and the cheese is a little like eh, suspect. I'm eating that piece of pizza. And if you take me to a Mexican restaurant and you have free chips and salsa, you are losing my friend because I am going to eat more than my weight in chips and salsa. Okay. Um, I will phrase this as delicately as I can. I have a friend. Okay. Who, <laughs> I, I have a friend who once said that pizza is a little bit like intimacy, and that okay. is, um, you know, even when it's not that good, it's not bad. Um, yeah. So Ex- we'll go from exactly. there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You have like you have to restrain me from those items, and my wife knows that too. And so it's right. like, okay, got to keep me away from it. So I, you know what? That may be my stay of execution. If I'm on death row and I'm just like I'm not done yet, I just keep eating and eating and eating, um, and then you know, then I get yeah. out of it somehow. It's so, a loophole. So you uh, eventually um, will go back to the '80s anyway, and you end up, uh, you know, in. Uh, space balls and you become pizza the hut so no. right or actually my dad quotes this all the time but it's a monty Pi- an old monty python sketch i think where he's full of everything he says i can't eat another bite and then the waiter comes by and says after dinner mint he has the one oh I, yes. you know, I could and then explodes everywhere it's exactly. like i think that's what i that's that's how i would go probably yeah. if that if i was on death row death by pizza there you go hey you know what what a way to go listen <laughs> that's right. eric thank you so much for being here i i appreciate your willingness to share uh, and you are indeed a smart person to my audience. I will remind you, as always, that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody. 